go. We had some signings over the past 24 hours. Well, FT Friday, Frazier Friday, AJ in the house. You're laughing because it's going nice and slow. It's going just the pace you wanted it to go. It is for real. I think mm-hmm. some people think we're kidding. I'm like, no, if we get two signings per day for the next three weeks, I will be very, very happy. It is what we thought it was. Exactly. Right. So exactly. Just hey, we'll keep chugging along and when the next, you know, I don't want to say victim, but when the next guy goes, we got something more to talk the, about. The team is the victim, right? Yeah, hey, yeah, exactly. You're waiting yeah. out for a long time. It's not like the prices have oh. really gone down, which no. we'll get into in a sec. In at least in my mind for some of the predictions I had. Before that, real quick, I know we've been promoting it hard, but actually the website's been filling up and we've got the inventory for it. So we've been able to counter the uh, heavy traffic on the mm. website, but Toddfather is today's model of the FT hoodie. Love the hoodies. Hoodies. Comfort. It actually fits to your liking, too, which yes. is even better. Some, like some swipes you little. get frumpy. This fits a little bit. Makes my love handles look good, so uh, <laughs> we're good to go. We're good to go. <laughs> Perfect day for it, And too. It's, good. it's comfortable. You want comfort. That's all. Just yeah, like a soft. player. You want to be comfortable where you go. I want to be comfortable what, what I'm wearing. That's really the only goal we have. <laughs> FoulTerritoryShop.com if you want to check it out. All right. Let's spend some team's money. Charge the mound time. David Robertson and the Texas Rangers lock in on a one-year contract. Oh. And Jeff Passan with the report. I haven't seen the final money, but he said in the 11 or $12 million range. So we can just call it that. David Robertson's name actually came up, I believe, on yesterday's show, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't I bring him up yeah. for Kansas City? But then I thought he was going to be more in the, I don't know, eight or nine range. Not that it's, I mean, come on, a few million bucks of a difference in baseball is literally chump change for any ball club. But good for Robertson. He's, I believe, 38 years old. And remember, AJ, last year, he had a really good start with the Mets. And then fell off a little bit with the Marlins and then bounced back again. I mean, this is a solid signing for Texas, right? I think this is a great signing for Texas. It helps their bullpen. I mean, I don't know if they're going to – they're obviously going to count on Spores and LeClerc to pitch the way they did in the postseason. But during the regular season, those guys weren't very good. So this is a veteran presence at the back end that Bruce Bochy can use the way Bruce Bochy does better than anyone else. He uses bullpen. And you got to love adding a veteran guy that can close games for you to any team, and I think it's a great signing for the Texas Rangers and for, listen, for David Robertson. He got, what, 11 to $12 million to go to a place that's coming off a World Series championship. Good for David Robertson and good for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, and I think not only is it good for them, they, they are now getting the best calves in baseball. Uh, so, which people need to understand. I, I mean, even though he said JT Realmoto probably has better calves, but I've, I've – it's tough to see his calves when he's got shin guards on and, and he's, you know, in a crouch all day. The guy, he has a solid cutter. He, you know, he developed that cutter from Mariano Rivera. I'm not saying it's Mariano-like, but it's a really nasty pitch. He's got a nice breaking ball to go with it, and he'll sneak in a two-seamer in there as well. So he's not the overpowering David Robertson, but he's going to get the job done, and I'm so happy for this guy. I played with him for a couple teams. Now seeing players are getting the deals they want, it seems like, because yeah. I agree with you. You know, you think about this a couple years ago, you know, you're thinking about what, you know, five, six year deal for one year. But now, you know, almost getting double. Or mill, you're saying. Or mill, right. sorry, for for what he what they wanted. But yeah, he's a he's a solid pitcher and um, you know, and he's on the back end of his career and he's still doing it, which is great. Yeah, that cutter, it's it, it's in the low nineties. Yeah, that curveball definitely still plays. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The the velo, I mean, yeah, it's maybe not 
prime prime David Robertson, no, but it's pretty but it, close. It's, it's got a little stank to it, I call it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's pretty close. I mean, he resurrected his career, though. Remember? I mean, he's in his he mid-30s. He had TJ. <clears throat> yeah. And he disappeared for a couple years. And then yeah, no. he joined went to the, the Cubs. Bay Remember, Pitt he went to the Cubs. He went yep. to the Cubs two years ago. And then he got traded, I believe, to the Phillies, right? Yeah. Last offseason, he signed. And then he ended up in the Marlins. And <clears> listen, I mean, this guy's still an effective reliever. Cutters and curveballs, man. That's the... That's the thing now. If you can throw a good cutter and you can throw a curveball to back it up, Mark Melanson made a career out of it. David Robertson's made a career out of it. A lot of relievers now, cutters and curveballs. Um, Tampa Bay, remember? That was the first mm. spot back, only for a second. Yeah. I mean, that was the yeah. end of the, what was it, 2021 season. Yeah, and then had some success in a few different spots. Strong playoff performer in 2022 with the Phils. So think about this. I mean, interrupt you, but when we played the Twins in that playing game when I was with the Yankees in 17, Severino, he got ousted. He only got one out in the first inning. He came in and threw three innings. We had a bullpen day, and he locked everybody down. He's a guy that will pitch when they want, when he's called. He's not the dude out there like, oh, man, I, I'm supposed to be the ninth inning guy, eighth inning guy. Okay, if that happens, so be it. But he will come in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. He's, he's a team guy, and that, that's what I love about him. He's funny as all heck, and uh, he's got that goofiness, that nerdy goofiness about him that, you know, these guys are going to really enjoy in Texas. Him and DeGrom together, I can't wait. They're going to have a good time. And he can close. Right. He yeah. can do that fifth, sixth, whatever. He can close for mm-hmm. you. He's, he's, up, has he's, a he's, bad up time. For, he's up to do whatever is what yes. I'm saying. Without any problems. Mm-hmm. Upper 30s. He makes more this year, this coming season, than he did last year coming off a great 2022. Mm-hmm. But with the Mets, he signed for one year, $10 bucks. And then this year, his agent, AJ, did a great job. I mean, he got him a little raise from, to 11 or 12 mil from the 10 Good. the year before. He deserves it. He's been solid for a couple years in a row now. Listen, during, even free agency, I don't want to talk to teams and have to deal with it because then you're arguing. It's just it's just awful to me that, uh, you know, you'd have to imagine GMs calling you and you're like, oh, sorry, I'm at my kid's soccer game. Can I call you back like later? Yeah. Like, you know? And then you then you get it, then you sign with a team after you just haggled it out with them over like ten thousand dollars or a suite on the road like that would suck. He should he you know what he should do honestly and I think this would be sick. He should write a book and jot down you know and you know I mean you don't have to call guys out but this team you know this guy we're going back and forth he wouldn't let me call him back and my son's about to win a t-ball championship game you know whatever just funny stories I think that would be. I would read that book because then you know like the ins and outs of what is really going on behind the scenes. Yeah, for him, he saves a little bit of coin, and he's basically working two jobs, and he's got it on his resume. I mean, yeah. eventually he is going to retire. I mean, he hasn't really shown too many signs of needing to uh, call yeah. it quits yet, obviously, and he's in his upper 30s. But, you know, maybe he retires when he's mm-hmm. 41 years old. Yeah. And – he can apply to work for an agency or start his own because he'd be like, yo, I've, I've been an agent for years. Oh, who, who'd you represent? David Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> I represent. Look at the deals. I got David Robertson, you know, but $65 he's saving, million. I mean, he's, sa- he's saving some money. He's not saving that enough to where it's like, oh man, look at, uh, you know, I mean, listen, I know agents charge anywhere from two to 5%. I mean, you know, he's not signing Shohei Otani money. I mean, it's still a little chunk of change, but good for him. If he can do it, he has the time. I wouldn't want to do it, though. I wouldn't want to take that on. What are we talking about? So, for example, let's use last year as, as because it's a cleaner number as the example. $10 million signs with the New York Mets. What 
would he have to pay an agent on an average? I know there's different rates and percentages. It's either four or five percent. Is that what it is? Fish? AJ, AJ what, what was it for you back in the day? Um, if you could remember, recall, I think was it was four four percent. I think it was. Yeah, four four percent. So are you so, doing, are you doing the math on your phone? Yeah, so four. I mean, if it's ten million, just it's do ten million. It's four hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, easily. Really? What, what, what's he made ten million? Pay. He made four. He gave up four hundred grand. grand last year. Mm-hmm. Four hundred grand. Top father. Yeah. Jersey education. You, you guys got it better in South Jersey <laughs> than North Central. I wasn't paying attention. No, that, that's the, that's when it comes to you know a lot of zeros. You just take a couple away. That's yeah. So four hundred grand. He saved himself last year, and if he's been doing this for years, he's probably saved himself what two million dollars yeah, at he, this point. He basically, bought his children their homes, and that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Boom. Now, the other end of this <laughs> always is, could he have gotten more any of those years, right? If you have an agent and they found you one extra team and got you an extra couple million bucks just on one deal alone, that pays for it all. And I, and I think the best part is when you, when you do it by yourself, you're not worried about – I mean, you, you see what other people made, but if they're like five, ten million off and it's a big deal, it's like, you know what? I don't need my agent to be like, yo, we need that money. Give me it. You know what I mean? Like, screw it. It's not going to crush it. You know what I mean? So – it is, it is what it is. Yeah, it's a different mentality mm-hmm. when you're working like that. All right, let's get to the other signing. So, Jock Peterson looks like he's going to line up with mm. the Arizona Diamondbacks. And initially when the money came out, I think it wasn't reported with the mutual option buyout. So, it looked lower than it was. Initially, I'm looking last night and I think some people were putting nine and a half out there. It's actually $12.5 million dollars guaranteed wow. because he gets nine and a half year one there's a mutual option which is basically fake in the baseball world no one ever goes through with mutual options so it's just really to backload the money they pay him that three million dollars at the end of the contract as a buyout and then he can obviously either resign or or sign elsewhere so one year 12 and a half get probably some solid dh time and maybe a little outfield for the arizona diamondbacks aj thoughts on this one because Arizona was talked about for J.D. Martinez, Jorge Soler, Justin Turner. So, Jock Peterson, I didn't hear um, popping up too much. I know he gets in the left-handed pop, but it does seem like some Diamondbacks fans are disappointed because they thought they were going to get potentially a 40-homer every day, dude. That's who I was looking for him to sign was J.D. or Soler or even maybe Justin Turner. Um, listen, great for Jock. You found a great place. Listen, Arizona is a great place. You have spring training and the season in the same spot, so you don't have to move. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought the way Arizona had played, had paid Eduardo Rodriguez, they went out and got Suarez. They, they're making some moves to try to make themselves not only, you know, they lost the World Series, get back to the playoffs and make another deep run. I was like, man, if they could get JD Martinez added to this young core or Justin Turner or Jorge Soler, that'd be a great fit. Jock Peterson's a good player. You know, we all know his struggles against lefties, so he's basically a platoon guy. Uh, is he going to play in the outfield there? I don't know. But um, it's a nice signing. doesn't do much for me as far if I'm a Diamondbacks fan. I'm like, eh, okay, cool. Um, but not not J.D. Martinez slash Jorge Soler impact for me. Listen, I want <laughs> you to think of one guy uh, when he got older. Well, he, they basically in the playoffs or whenever he played – he came in there to do one thing, and that was to hit a home run. What guy was that? Can you think of later Matt in Pears? his career? Yes. I'm so proud of you right now. I got to be honest. This is who I'm thinking he's going to be, bro. Get in there. Get in there, grip it, and rip it, because it just seems like 
anytime he was up last year, whenever I watched him, he's trying to go ham and hit hit one over the wall. So I could see that happening. I, you know, I, I do think he can still play in defense in those positions, but I do see him coming in as a DH or, or off the bench and by, oh, here we go, whack. All right. So that's, that's what I think he's going to be going in there for. And I, and I think, you know, the, the money is great. I, I think he's getting a lot of money too as well. So good for him. I think it's a you good. You think it's a lot for him, the 12 and a half? I mean. At, so, at the stage of his career? Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. But I'm happy for him. I, I, I want him to make 24. I want him to make 36. But yeah, bro, get in there. I want, just want to see Jack get in there and just try and go ham every time he gets up to the plate. He's, is, still, he's any, still got the pop. Does anybody know uh, if like deferred money, like the signing bonus for a mutual option counts against the luxury tax number? Does anybody know that answer? I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm going to strongly guess yes. You're saying, so, but does it count for this year or does it count for next year? See what I'm saying? Because yes. teams are going to start taking advantage of this and say, we'll do a mutual option with a, you know, we'll sign you this year for $2 million, but we'll do a mutual option next year for twenty with a $10 million buyout if it doesn't count. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like another way, kind of what Otani did to manipulate the, the salaries. But then it just goes to next year. If that's the case, I'm saying, right? If the yeah. buyout goes to next year, then it well, then it still goes to next year on their luxury tax number. It's just it's not like Otani where it's, you know, you're deferring money, you know, 10 years from now. And to me, that's a different case. If it's a mutual option, it's a few million bucks that you're finagling one way or another. That's kind of like when you're backloading a contract or front loading a contract, right? I mean, you can pay a guy on a deal four years, 80 million bucks, and it could be 20 a year, yeah. or you could be backloading where he's getting 60 in the last two years, you know? Or 500, or what What did Otani get? 680? It deferred? He got <laughs> 97% of 700 mil. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. So six, Two mil a year. 680. For 10 years, 20, <laughs> 680. He got 20, he got 20 million. 680. Yeah, so 680 that, deferred. That, and now California is changing their tax laws because of that. Yeah, I think they have to. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he always wants <clears throat> to be historic and do things differently. I mean, he's literally changing <laughs> tax politics in California. Yeah, I love it. You, you can't get bigger than that. Actually, the last thing that I, I remember on this, the luxury tax question is, if, if you do sign, like Eduardo Rodriguez, I think was about four years, 80. Um, the luxury tax number just looks at the AAV, so it's 20 a year. So with Jock, I'm pretty sure since it's technically just a one-year deal, it's, it's probably going to charge the 12 and a half. You know what I'm saying? For this yeah, year, I that's what I wish. I, I wish we need, we need like a salary cap expert to let us know because buyouts are different. That's a different thing. It's almost like in the NFL, these quarterbacks sign for like these huge signing bonuses, and mm -hmm. it doesn't count as much against their future earnings. So mm -hmm. they'll take a hundred million up front and then take less down the road. You know, Tom Brady was the master of this for years with the Patriots, right? He would. So it, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because like what Otani did is basically messing with the luxury tax system. And now, you know, teams might look at it and say, well, man, we can get an advantage by signing a guy to a two-year deal knowing he's not going to stay for two years and just have a huge buyout on the backside because it doesn't affect our luxury tax for this year or next year. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking as you're saying that at, at the numbers for Jack. By the way, do you know how much money he made last year with San Francisco? Because he's taking a pay cut for this go-round. He was like 14 or wasn't he or something? He, he took year? the qualifying offer. It was 19, a little over 19 and a half, which is way more than he had gotten in the past. Um, like the year before when he signed with San Francisco, at least according to baseball reference, 
he made six million salary and then there was a two and a half million dollar buyout. So I guess he was eight and a half. So he more than doubled that in 23. And then last year he was, he was good, not great, right? He was uh, technically, uh, we know my favorite stat OPS plus he was a one eleven. um, at, at times, you know, he's not an everyday player, so he was good and he gets a nice healthy Todd, salary. Todd, let me ask like jock, right? He doesn't get matched up against a lot of tough lefties. So imagine mm-hmm. if how good you could have been if they were like, oh, uh, who's the toughest righty you faced? You're not going to play against those yeah. guys. You're only going to get lefties where the ball's coming into you Oof. every pitch. I mean, how much that, – see, that's the thing, like OPS yeah, yeah. plus, right? Mm-hmm. He's only facing guys that he matches up well against. He's not – if you're not an everyday guy, sometimes you get bad matchups as an everyday guy for me. No, and, you're so that's 100%. What, 100%. Like, so, I, I mean, love I, lefties. Love yeah, lefties. Yeah, exactly. So if you're facing – I don't know. I'm trying to think of a lefty that, like, during your era, like a Jaime Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaime, yeah. Go ahead. That was throwing cutters into you every time. You were, like, salivating to get to the box yeah. every day, right? So if you exactly. only faced yeah. those guys and you didn't have to face, you know, Adam Wainwright, Johnny Cueto, Chris Carpenter, mm-hmm. those type of guys, you would have been like, damn, my OPS plus is off the yeah. charts because I only oh, faced good matchups. I'd sit on the bench and just be like, hmm, all right, I'll be in in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, that's why some of these stats to me, I mean, I get them. They're useful tools, but they're not the end all be all. Yeah, exactly. I'm hey, not, they're I'm working now. They're working for him. You know? That's but that's because teams literally look at it blindly and don't look at the player, which I'm listen, like like Todd said, I'm happy. I want him to get a hundred million a year. I don't care. Sure. Like get every dollar you can. So good for Jock that he got that. But I just think sometimes, you know, you can overuse stats, especially some organizations. And the prices should be higher for the guys that we mentioned, especially, you know, Solaire. Mm-hmm. And J.D. Martinez, look at their hitting numbers. They are significantly higher than someone like Jock. So we'll see where they end up. Dave S. in the comments, by the way. I've been working the comments hard today. I'm just, I'm getting after it. There's been some times that I've been traveling, so I really wanted to just hang with the people today. Yeah, I love you guys too. But Dave S. with two good comments. One, he said, thank you, Artie, for swooping in and signing Rendon. Dodgers pivoted and traded for Mookie. <laughs> yeah. Dude, can you imagine Rendon in, oh. instead of Mookie in mm. Dodger Town? There's gonna be there's a lot of different history that was be written in Dodger Town right now. Yes, Hollywood lifestyle they they call him out there because he didn't want the Hollywood lifestyle. Remember when Rendon said that, and they never let him hear the end of it. And then mm. Dave also said over under for Rendon in 24. Uh, I believe he said 81 games. Did he say 81? It was in the low 80s. 81 take, would be half. Yeah. Right, have to take so, the over. Yeah, 81. He said 81. Yeah, You're you taking the take over? The, you have to right now because, you know, after talking to Wash, he, he's going to have to feel some pressure, I would think, from the organization and from Wash to get his, get out there. You too? Yeah, I, I would say so. I Listen, new manager comes in, a guy well-respected, has wisdom. Last thing you want to do is let somebody down like that. I'm not – if he's injured, don't get me wrong. Sure. You're not going to play. But, you know, you got to put on your back like, all right, I, I think he needs that little pressure, and I think he wants that too as well. I think people forget. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I do think at the end of last year it was controversial with the bruise versus the mm-hmm. fracture situation. But also I think people have to remember this is a guy who's been injury-plagued for many, many yeah. years. Going back to college, he was a star at Rice, but that was the whole question about him, and the Nats were like, we're going to take him high up anyway because he's a star, and we feel like we're going to get production out of him, and they did. They got a ton. So yep. Anyway, if you look back at his history, he does have – uh, no, I'm blowing glass. Very deep 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why. I don't think we're going to get him on anytime soon, unfortunately, even though he did do a podcast recently. But we do get a great consolation prize. Mm. AJ's best friend, Evan Grant, mm. joining us right now from the Dallas mm. Morning News. Mm. Evan, great to have you back on. And by the way, um, I think this is your fifth or sixth appearance with us, which is among the league leaders, which we're very appreciative for, first of all. And it makes a ton of sense as you happen to be covering the um, – most talked about team over the past year, what should be the most talked about team since they won the World Series. How's your offseason going? You know, the guys who are in the um, five-time club of hosting Saturday Night Live all get like a blazer. So I'll be expecting um, that. <laughs> I give you a hat to cover your bald head. How's that? Oh, damn. <laughs> wow, look at that. Look at that that glare on the top of my head today. Too. Exactly. Um, the offseason has been, has been great. It's uh, – to, to think about this team right now, you know, in a 12-month span, the Rangers will have won the World Series, have hosted the All-Star Game, and will celebrate a Hall of Fame induction. I don't think that's happened for any club as a defending World Series champion since 1939 with the Yankees. So it, it's an incredible time for Ranger fans right now, and I, I hope they're enjoying it because this just doesn't come around often. You talk about incredible times. I'm just going to jump right into it, man. Montgomery, what is going on? Is he coming back or what, man? You got the inside scoop. Let the world know. Come on. Todd, listen, I mean, it, there's there's reasons to think that, like, Jordan is waiting for the, the situation me. to be sorted through and that he would like to come back to the Rangers. And I think they'd like him to come back. But I think in terms of talking about a $25 million contract, for a four or five year, probably maybe even a six year commitment with with him, I, I think this team would have acted already on that. I, I don't think it's ultimately going to happen, and I think that the Rangers' perspective here is they've got a really good group of starters that will be ready. They believe in the second half in Degrom, Scherzer, and Tyler Malley. Uh, they feel like they've got a rotation to go into the season, and they feel like it is time, it's past time, actually, for their minor league system to start producing some contributors. If there was one area where this team came up short last year, it was in the minor league pitching department producing guys who could help the big league staff. Now, I don't know if that if that's kind of cutting off your nose uh, to spite your face a little bit, but I do understand that, that at some point in time, you can't keep paying retail for starting pitchers year after year after year. Evan, uh, you guys signed Robertson last night late. I'm sure you didn't break the story. Uh, we'll leave that to the experts. <laughs> we'll leave that to the experts. But is he going to be the closer? What's his role going to be on this team? Because Leclerc was so great for him in the postseason. Obviously, Spores was great for him. They kind of mixed and matched with some other guys. Is Robertson going to be the closer? I don't think – listen, they're still waiting on, on a physical, and with any 39-year-old pitcher, a physical is no is no formality, AJ. So we, the club hasn't really talked about a role for him, but I believe going into the season or going at least into spring training that the idea will be to have Jose Leclerc as the closer. He was really nails for them late last year. He was great during the postseason. I think Josh Spores will – um, have a significant role in late innings. And I think that David Robertson will be there kind of in the way they envisioned Will Smith last year as a late inning leverage guy who has the ability to close out games if needed. And and I think that everybody, 
Everybody who's around David Robertson thinks he thinks he's a great makeup guy, thinks he's been a great clubhouse guy. I think the Rangers want that again in their bullpen, and they had that in Will Smith last year. And, and so I think that's the that's the role they envision for David at this point. Hmm. Hey, uh, you got one? No, you go ahead. I'll go ahead. I, I was just going to ask. So from a pitching standpoint, is there a secret to try and – or at least a strategy, a strategy to try and um, get over the World Series hangover that has really now plagued World Series teams for the past quarter century. We have not seen success after winning a World Series. You had the dynasty of the Yankees that did it easily. But since then, a lot's changed in our pitching world, right? In terms of how pitchers are developed, which I'm sure is a factor. But I have to imagine Chris Young with his pitching brain is thinking about that nonstop this offseason. How do we prevent this from collapsing at least the first year after? Well, and, you know, both Bruce Bochy and Chris Young have experience with this, right? Bruce Bruce had experience as a defending world champion three times with the Giants. Chris had experience as a pitcher with Kansas City after they won in, in, in 2015. And I, I think they both realize all the challenges that are involved. You look at guys like Nathan Avaldi, who I think pitched 180 innings when you include the postseason last year, and Dane Dunning, who pitched 180 innings. And I know, AJ, you played with a guy who like got my Hall of Fame vote last month, who pitched 200-plus innings every year in Burley. And, and so it's, it's weird to think about 180-inning guys as workhorses now, but that is a workhorse. And I do think with one less month of, of postseason to kind of um, – or offseason to kind of rest their arms – the Rangers are going to manage those guys in their innings early on. Um, I think that's a real issue for Chris Young and Bruce Bochy and Mike Maddox on, on how they're they're managing this stuff. And I think, listen, guys, the one wild card that we can't really acknowledge on the pitching, or we can acknowledge on the pitching side, but it, it, it's just it's impossible to try and, and factor it in. Is there have, there are so many rounds of playoffs now that the playoffs become so much more unpredictable. And we've seen that year after year after year as the playoffs have expanded. I don't know that the Rangers were the best team going into the playoffs. They certainly played the best in the playoffs. They changed complete narratives about their team last year, about the bullpen's ability and their ability to win on the road. And so you get hot for, for October. A lot of different things can happen. I think where this team is, is in a good position. They've got as good a lineup as any team in the American League offensively. Uh, if Wyatt Langford breaks camp with this team, and I think at this point the possibility is very strong that he does, they've got some really good young players who should be part of the core for a long time. I think they feel like they've got uh, reinforcements coming for that starting rotation. I think the big challenge for the Rangers now is going to be getting themselves through the first half of the season with the pitching staff they've got but it still doesn't it, it still doesn't answer the question like is home field an advantage in the postseason if you get there? Is it not an advantage? Is taking time off an advantage? There's just too many layers of unpredictability in the playoffs right now to really think of the idea of a dynastic team. That's that's all good that's good and all, but you go down the street a little bit and the Houston Astros just signed Josh Hader. I mean, talk about that. Where do you feel the Rangers are now in that division with a guy that's been unbelievable over his career. And now he's probably going to be, um, you know, the eighth or ninth guy, most likely the ninth guy coming in, depending on situations. Like who's got the better team now? And that does that put the Rangers in, in 
fight to get another guy to bring back in. Well, I think one thing that Chris Young has told me over and over, Todd, is they're not going to be reactive, right? They're 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 going to they're going to be proactive on their strategy. And even though the Astros signed Hater last week, they've had interest in Robertson all offseason. They knew they were going to add another veteran reliever. So I don't think this is reactive to what Houston did. And, and I think it would be really dangerous at this point in time to divert from your strategy and get reactive. All of that said, let's remember that the American League West last year, there was one game basically that separated three teams. Um, and the Rangers have not done a ton to improve their team going into the season. Malley's not going to be an addition until the second half. The two big additions are in the bullpen and Kirby Yates uh, and David Robertson. But Houston did add a big-time closer after losing Kendall Graveman, and Seattle's made, you know, Jerry DePoto moves. I, it's, it's hard to ever keep up with the Mariners roster because it's constantly turning over, but they've made a lot of moves. And so it's hard for me to sit here and say that definitively the Rangers are a step ahead of both those clubs. I think the Rangers have the better young offensive talent. I think that's going to be the strong point of this club again. And whether or not they can navigate the first half of the season with this pitching staff, I think is going to be the real challenge. But if they're in position, they made trades last year to, to, to strengthen themselves significantly at the deadline. They got the best pitcher on the market at that point in Jordan Montgomery. Uh, and I, I think they're in a I think they're in a good position. I don't want to say to well, they're not going to repeat as AOS champs because as Alex Bregman let everybody know, the Astros were the AOS champs. But I think they're in a good position to contend again this year, to go deep into the playoffs and um, maybe do something historic. So one more on this team, and then we'll jump to Hall of Fame. Uh, fan question from Patrick, and I know you mentioned it, but any more context you have on confidence that Wyatt Langford could break camp with the team? I think it's obvious to everyone he's going to be up with the ball club. They're anticipating that, and that's why they're not really touching the position player group. But how likely is it that he's already good to go if he has a solid spring training? Listen, I think, Scott, I think they've got a couple of good internal options to, to get a significant number of at-bats at DH and Wyatt Langford and Justin Foskey and, to some extent, Blaine Cram. All three are really good hitters. The most significant position need, I think, would be uh, there would be more playing time in the outfield than there would be at second base where Foskey plays um, or really at first base where, where, where Krim plays. So the question, I think, for the Rangers is, can we get Wyatt Langford enough playing time in the outfield with minimal time at DH? Because I think, you know, coming up as a DH, it's a it's a difficult thing to do. You've got you've got most of the game to just sit around and kind of wallow on your at bats, and that's a that's a bad headspace for a lot of players. So I think that's the biggest thing that they've got to work out. But from my perspective, it seems to me like this team is making plans that Wyatt Langford will be on their opening day roster. Okay, from future Gator Rangers to a Hall of Fame guy and the guy I got to play with in Adrian Beltre. What was it like yesterday when you got to go? You were in Cooperstown with him. You had you had your special socks on. It was cute that you wore the Jackie Robinson socks for the Hall of Fame. I get it. I see you working. But what was it like to see A.B. there? Because, I mean, I've told people he's one of the best teammates, best guys, best humans I've ever been around. To see him and see him walk around and get to see what a special place and how well-deserved it was for Adrian. AJ, I'm, I'm working on this story right now, and I, I just have to tell you, you know, it's a, you go to the Hall of Fame, and, and the first thing that they do at the Hall of Fame is this kind of 17-minute video um, 
with, I think there's 19 Hall of Famers quoted in there talking about things. And for the fan to go in there and listen to these things, it's giants of the game. But literally things that Henry Aaron, uh, that Tom Seaver, that Cal Ripken Jr., and that Juan Marichal all said in that video are things that Adrian said about himself in the previous 24 hours. And so it was just kind of amazing to watch this, to watch a Hall of Famer walk through the Hall of Fame and I think come to grips with the idea that, yeah, he does belong. I don't think Adrian would ever say that publicly. I think he continues to feel like I was a decent player. But it is clear he was a Hall of Fame top five third baseman of all time. And to watch him go through the museum, particularly when when it came time to um, uh, see Juan Marichal, there's a display on Juan Marichal before you get to the plaque gallery. And then there's a display on Latin American baseball in which I'm watching Jaime Harin narrate the Hall of Fame announcer who announced the Dodgers for forever, narrate this video about Latin American ballplayers. And I'm watching Adrian watch the guy who announced his games when he came up narrate a film that includes highlights of Adrian hitting home runs from one knee. It's just it's just kind of surreal. And, and the takeaway I had from all this is that – Adrian feels a lot like he did when he came up with the Dodgers in, in 1998. He was a 19-year-old. He was incredibly humble and respectful and quiet. And he was just kind of taking it all in, in wide-eyed awe yesterday. I think over the next six months as he prepares for his Hall of Fame speech, which he has told me he absolutely hates the idea of having to do, um, I think when we see him speak in July, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful speech uh, talking about what it was like to come from the Dominican, what it was like to realize the joy of playing baseball um, and, and to fully, really fully maximize his, his abilities on the field. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it was um, Special socks aside, it was it was a special day to be able to watch that and, and to watch a guy kind of be introduced to um, his new peers. Really, he's going to nail the speech, and I hope Andrews comes out there and just like taps his head, you know, just like <coughs> or something like that. Um, a quick one for you on Beltre. Um, it's more of maybe a pet peeve and what it says about our sport. I've told a few people about this lately. Obviously, I used to work at at MLB TV. And I felt like for the last few years of Beltre's career, people would be like, I got a hot take. He's, he's a hall of fame lock, or he's a first ballot hall of famer. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yeah, no shit. I don't know. It's it just, it was a weird thing that I, I kept hearing. I don't know if you ever heard that from people like trying to act like it was a hot take. I was like, that's the coldest take I've heard in a while. Listen, I, I think the hot take about it, Scott, is this, right? Even Ad I think even Adrian would acknowledge this. When he came to the Rangers, I don't think that people viewed him as a Hall of Fame third baseman. He had spent a decade in the big leagues. He himself acknowledged that kind of he had the reputation that he had that big year with the Dodgers in 04, and he had a big year as a one-year free agent with Boston in 2010. And people kind of conceived of him as a contract year player. When he got to Texas, and, and really late in the time in Seattle, he realized I want to have fun. What's the worst that can happen if I have fun? And I think once he realized that and allowed himself to, to just enjoy the game he grew up so passionate about from ages 32 through 39, really 31 if you count that year in Boston, in the second half of his career, this guy became a Hall of Fame player. The second half numbers of his career 
are better than the first half numbers. And that's an amazing accomplishment, you know, as we get into our, our, our 30s in, in, in MLB players. And, and so was it a hot take in 12 or 13? Maybe it was a hot take then. But I think by the time we got to 2015, 2016, everybody assumed Adrian Beltre was going to be in the Hall of Fame and on the first ballot. I just didn't know if it would be 90% or 95%. And as it turns out, you know, he's one of the top 20 all-time percentages uh, in terms of vote getters. Let me ask you this last one for the Hall of Fame for me. Do you feel a couple of guys on there got snubbed a little bit? I know some of them still have some years left, and there's one of them that we all thought should have been in the Hall of Fame and Gary Sheffield. Uh, I know you tweeted about something on there, too, as well about it. Do you feel like there was a couple of guys that did get snubbed that should be on there? Look, I, I feel strongly about Sheffield. Um, I, I actually got a chance to cover Gary my first three years covering baseball in, in Florida. I watched him on a day-in and day-out basis. And so maybe there's some bias here, but this is a guy with over 500 home runs. It's a guy who, forget about war and, and, and metric numbers that you can't actually see. Like, we comprehend war and we know what it means to the game, but nobody sees war on the field. And you look at the things that Gary piled up and you look at how intimidating he was at the plate. And you look at the fact that, listen, the Hall of Fame in a lot of ways is about memories and visuals. And whose batting stance for a generation of kids was more imitated than Gary Sheffield's? I think it is, I think it is, it dishonors the Hall that he is, that he did not get inducted. I also think in, in, in large part, it dishonored the Hall that Billy Wagner's not in this class. I know Wagner's got another year, but I've come to be a strong believer that closers have to be taken against other closers. You don't compare them to other position players. And Billy Wagner is one of the top five closers of all time. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. So I was disappointed on those two fronts. I hope that when Gary is on a contemporary era committee, and I, I, I know that at some point he will be, I, I hope that, that the view of him has changed by the group that, that sees him then. Because I, I think this guy, this guy belonged in the Hall. Um, I'd like to see him in the Hall. Uh, and, and I think the... I, I, but I don't want to sit here and bemoan this Hall of Fame class because these three guys are a really great class. Um, it was cool to see two guys in this day and age who had one team background, uh, back of the baseball cards in Hilton and Maurer and a guy like Beltre who just enjoyed the game so much. Um, but, yeah, I believe that Billy Wagner hopefully will be elected next year, and it's a shame that Gary Sheffield has gotten as close as he has and now has fallen off. Evan, you're a big Hall guy now. What, what changed? Why, why are you such – because we, we've had Kirkjian and we had Rosenthal on uh, a couple days ago, and they were like, we were told, like, keep the Hall small, keep the Hall small, only certain guys. And now you see guys are more into, let's get more guys in, let's celebrate the game. So what's changed not only in your life but in a lot of writers' lives? Well, I think one thing that – AJ, one thing I hope I've been able to actually – pull from social media is that I do think fans want to celebrate the game more. And I have been fortunate enough as a guy who grew up in Atlanta and at a time when the Braves didn't have a ton of hall of famers, you know, when I, when Phil Necro went into the hall of fame, you know, that meant a ton to Braves fans at that point in time, that meant a ton to that fan base. When Todd Helton goes into the hall of fame as a Rocky, it's going to mean a ton to that fan base. And I think all the fan bases, should be viewed as, as, as equals. There, there is an importance to that. 
So I feel like I've come to a point in, in, in my voting where I'm looking for reasons that guys should be in, not for reasons to exclude them. I, I did hear one take the other day about Billy Wagner, and you know there was there was uh, criticism of his postseason numbers. And my example here is I don't think postseason numbers should in any way be viewed as a as, as a reason for exclusivity in the hall. If you want to say a guy was a big time postseason performer, great. I think that's an asset. If he if he authored some indelible moments in the hall season in 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 the uh, postseason with big performances. Great, but I don't think it should take away from a guy's Hall of Fame case. And so, I, I feel like if anything, and I, I think, I think in some regard, reading Ken and listening, listening to who Tim is and, and how much he loves the game, I, I think that maybe the, the the voting class or the voting the voting electorate is moving more away from this. We have to be guardians of the game and understanding that fans want to celebrate the game and the voting process, guys takes care of itself because with 75% threshold necessary, it's still really, really difficult to get in the hall. Um, I voted for 10 guys pretty much each of the last 10 years. That's been a big change. And I continue, I, I think I'll continue to see that. I don't think we're ever going to see a 10 man class, but I think it's important to keep the conversation going on certain guys. Hey, Evan, one more, cause it's consensus from uh, the fans in the chat. How much, is the TV money real versus an excuse this offseason? Now, they just signed Robertson and they might do something else, being that you know you don't work for the league or the team and you're at the Dallas Morning News, you can actually speak freely about it, which is helpful too, because fans just want to know. They're like, is this legit? Because you know they just won the World Series. They probably made, I don't know, 50 million bucks in October alone. Look, Scott, and, and the other thing is, right, the valuation of this club is probably going to approach $3 billion this year. And so they've, they've continually seen like 20% growth in valuation. I think there are cases on all sides for this. The TV money is a real, is a real deal. I think the Rangers are, are due on average $111 million per year. I think when it's all said and done, if they get this deal done, they'll see somewhere between 75 and 90% of that. So the loss is not... Uh, a, a huge, huge financial loss, but it's still real. And and until you've got a deal, you don't have a deal. So I think that's part of, of the Rangers' ownership's kind of, of caution. I think the second thing on, on the business side is let's not overlook that this team has committed $850 million in contracts over the last two years. They have sped up the rebuild process and they got themselves a world champion. And I think to go back to my first point to the first question, I think there is some thought on, on the ownership side that, hey, we've invested, we invested $250 million in starting pitching last year. We need to develop some of our own. Some of the guys that we invested heavily in, in draft picks, guys like Cole Wynn, Jack Leiter, Kamar Rocker, who is coming back from Tommy John, um, Brock Porter, who's still only 19. He was a first rounder who basically slipped to the fourth round. Some of those guys need to start producing for the Rangers in the next couple of years. And I think that's, that's where you get some tension between, look, this team could use another starter, absolutely, but I also think that there is some there is some feeling like we've got to start doing some things on our own. Um, and where exactly the the tectonics of all that end up, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense though. Well said, Evan. Always great to have you. We appreciate you. Um, you can follow Evan at Evan underscore P underscore Grant. 
or check out his articles in the Dallas Morning News. We have Great to. to see you. And I mean, you don't have to, but there are a lot of fans <laughs> that will. <laughs> and also, he's having a year. Like you said, he started out with a bang just now. Uh, World Series, All Star, etc. It's it's fun to cover right now. So enjoy the ride, Evan. It's a fun time, um, and I, yeah. I have enjoyed it despite AJ's presence. Um, yeah, exactly. I, don't I let him bring you down. Next time. <laughs> just that jealous former ranger that's that's he's never usually right on now. friday so sorry yeah this is a whole new ball game for me for that's my true. friday that's true <laughs> thanks evan talk to you soon man all right guys take care bye-bye seven cheers all right so uh, tyler o'neill is going to join us soon um just back to hall of fame for a moment because i promised a fan that i would ask it and we've been getting you know, an influx of questions especially on instagram i'm able to organize them a little better on the dms there so people will be like hey ask this so throwing some of them in there from time to time there was a fan who wanted us to throw up some credentials and then say do you think that this player deserves to be in the hall of fame based on the credentials that you're looking at okay so we're gonna get to that in just a sec here i'm looking for the stats and for the dm i should have had it ready but um oh it's in the rundown hold on let me see where are we at from Ryan Slate. Ryan Slate. Hey, question for the guys. Without telling them that it's blank, would you put this player in the Hall of Fame? There it is. 14 seasons, 299, 140 homers, 725 ribbies, over 1,500 games, 14 seasons. Rookie of the year, MVP, four-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, a Silver Slugger, and a two-time World Series I know champ. Who, I know who it is. That's, I think I know who it is either. You oh, do or don't? I think I do, I but know, I could I know who it is. Can I, can I go because I'm not 100%? Well, are you, do you guys want to guess or do you want to tell me? I'm going to tell you whether I should think. In. I'm going to go just on numbers. Okay. I, man, I, I would say no, just on numbers alone. Okay. Also, I'll add this because for, you know, the. He's a former teammate of mine. I don't know who it is. I love him, but I'm saying no above replacement. I don't know. I don't know who it is then. Do you guys want it? Well, AJ knows who it is because he played with him. You want me to tell you? I, well, I would love to know. Dustin Pedroia, who will be eligible wow. next year. Mm-hmm. I, w- I, I thought it was something I was way off. Mm-hmm. I think w- what's yeah. going to happen here is there. He just doesn't some, have enough for that's, me. Like, that's like what's going to happen have here. A, Like the 14 seasons is a little bit because 14 seasons count like the year we played like one game, right? So like you look and you're like 14 seasons. Well, he only played like, a, you know, a game or two that year. Like, remember he hurt his knee after. I got you. So I think that hurts. I mean, listen, you know, a lot of those things are, are awesome. Rookie of the year, MVP, Uh, he won MVP. He won MVP because Ozzie Gian basically sold him as the MVP. What year did he win that? Um, He's a great, listen, I played with Petey. He's unbelievable. He's awesome. Um, But, you know, for me, 140 homers, 725 RBIs, like that should be short, especially if somebody like Jeff Kent's not in, because now I'll throw Jeff Kent's numbers up there. And they blow those out of the water, and he's not in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly who I was going to bring up. Now, in terms of war, they're close, but Kent still has them beat. The offensive numbers are not close. So you can't just ride defense alone on this or ding Kent for the defense. So I think Kent alone really holds back Pedroia. I'm with you. I mean, how does Utley, Utley has better numbers than that, doesn't he? I don't know Utley's numbers That'd be good exactly. One to look at. That'd Probably. Be good one to look I, I know he has, Utley has to have more homers and RBIs than that. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have an MVP or rookie of the year, clearly, but, those but I mean, he's got all-stars. Really nice. I mean, Utley's got some good numbers. 
Yeah, he's 64.5 wins above replacement. His OPS plus is better. His, uh, let's see, batting average is probably worse, but it's not that. Yeah, 275, but yeah, 1,025 ribbies. Yeah, way higher ribbies. I mean, I mean almost homers. double the homers, 259. Yeah, I mean, also, if you're doing defensive comps there, <clears throat> It's so hard. A pretty like, good defender. Like, like I said before, if there's any doubt or indecision on your whoever is voting, you got to say no, in my opinion. It's got to be I, clear cut. I agree. And listen, I love PD. And I mean, man, I hope he gets in, you know, another former teammate to get in. But, you know, if you just if you just throw those numbers up there for me, I'm like, listen, he, he had a great career. But he's yeah, short. Like, great career. like for me, listen, Mark Burley, right? You could throw up Mark Burley's list of things that he did, you know, all star games, gold gloves. World Series, over 200 wins, you know, da, da, whatever they are. And people still tell you short. Now, I played with Mark, so I'm kind of biased. Like Paul Canerco hit over 400 homers and had an unbelievable career. He didn't even come yeah. close to getting in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you're always biased. And I love Pedroia. I mean, he was one of my favorite teammates. That little dude, I mean, nobody I ever played with brought more every day than that dude did. Every single, like, just yeah. fire. And, like, he would get in your ass every day. And it was awesome. But, I mean, to me, it just wasn't enough. It's just not enough cumulative numbers. And even, you know, you want to take short sample size. Like, to me, it just is, it's just a little bit short. But, I mean, I hope he gets in. Yeah, and the past second basemen that have not been voted in really hurt his cause right now. That's what you're going to get. I mean, articles out there. Like, if blank, then how does he not get in, right? So, you know, if, if Pedroia had a so-and-so, so this guy, this guy, that's where you're going to have problems from voters. They've clearly at least spoken. I think the narrative's changing a little bit where there's a little more focus on peak versus um, longevity and and compiling and all of that. But still, I I think I agree, at least for now, he'll fall short. Let's lap hands. Yeah. AJ should be happy. You guys should both be happy. You got ties here. I'm not going. Not going? Hey, JS. What if you get the invite? You wouldn't go? No, probably not. <laughs> no, no, no. I just would probably have something else going on. Okay. <clears throat> so what we're talking about, do you want to make the announcement, AJ? Because actually it is important. These events mean a lot to people. There's no baseball for a long period of time. They want a chance to connect with players, teams, ownership, all of that, right? And have like one, hey, we can't wait. It's coming up the season, right? It's in a month or two. What are we talking about? Uh, 2025. We I've been talking about this. They haven't had a Sox Fest in about three or four years now. And uh, 2025, it's returning Sox Fest. Two days, but it's weird. It's ironic. Guess what? 2025 is the 20 year reunion of or 20 year anniversary of World Series. Worst year of my mm. life. So they're like, oh, we can make some cash money records yeah. off of uh, – AJ, come on We down. can get all them dudes in. You think – come on, Todd. You know that. Yeah. You know I'm right. You know they're like – they're thinking about it and they're like, we haven't had it for four years. The fans are pissed. Oh, we can do it in 2025. We can get all the 05 guys to come back. And we can Blow make up. a lot Blow of money up. off of that. But smart move. It is hey, smart. nothing gets talked about in the White Sox world more than 2005. Right That's because what else do they have? Nothing. That's correct. 1918? 19, I, I thought it was. 1917, I think it was. 17 was the championship? Yeah, because it was longer. We went long. The White Sox went longer than the Red Sox did between winning, and no one talked about it. 
Yeah. So the Red Sox ended theirs in 86 years, and ours was 88, so it was 1917. Don't, don't look up 1919 if you're like a, a that was kid the Black and you're Sox. a White Sox fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't look that up. It was, it was rough. Some happy birthdays. Um, David Schneider, who was just on the show recently, and the legend. Just a bit outside. Hell yeah. Bob Euchre is 90. He signed a picture for me, bro. I got. I think it's pretty cool, dude. He is awesome. I've I've had a couple encounters with him when I was broadcasting, you know, Brewers games nationally, and he is so freaking cool. And you would think that, like, I'm like, he should be big league me or some of us a little bit more. And this dude's yeah. just cracking jokes with us. Like, I should pay him for his time. Talk about Hall of Fame speech. That was a funny one too. He is a legend. So happy birthday, you, AJ. You did well, man. You're still alive here on a Friday. Five Proud straight days, man. I, yeah, I need a raise. All right, well, I'll raise you a raise Scott Braun next to you on Monday. <laughs> I thought you were staying in New Jersey. Oh, Jesus. Forever? It's too cold. Yeah, with Todd. Look, look how happy Todd is to have you. Look, Todd's like, oh, Jesus. Todd is know. happy, actually. He's, he's having a great week. I'm not lonely by myself. I would have been by myself today. Yeah, he's very welcoming. Uh, I'll give you some of the names for next week. I got a shirt, hey, by the way, remember? Oh, there you go. Yes. Nice. Remember we hey, had Seawald on? I'm like, can I get a shirt? Nolan Gorman and uh, Nathaniel Lowe on Tuesday. AJ Minter was supposed to come on today. He apologized. He's coming on with us next week on Wednesday. Uh, Michael Kay and Freddie Peralta are already on the guest list for Monday. Big week, okay? And I My say boy this every Lance Friday. Lance Lynn on Thursday, too. Lance Lynn Ooh, on Thursday. Lance Lynn on Thursday. I say this every Friday, too. We're going to have a ton of signings, a ton of signings to talk about. See you next week. We'll ask Michael <laughs> Kay who's going to lead off. Yeah. Hey. We've got a new offer for the FT fam with the same bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L. Bet $5, get $158 instantly. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app, sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account, Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. And once you've placed a bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Again, that's bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.